Well, good morning, everyone. I hope everyone had a good and meaningful Thanksgiving. Now, for me, Thanksgiving is, it's the ramp into the Christmas season, right? For me, Thanksgiving, it, it propels us into this season that we are now in called the Christmas season. And the great thing about Christmas is that it's more than just one day, right? We get to enjoy weeks leading up to that day. So I thought I would do something unique this Thanksgiving. I decided after a lifetime of eating someone else's turkey that I would make my own. All right, so I didn't realize how much pressure that would bring on me, all right? Like I was, I was kind of feeling it, I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, because the turkey, it's the centerpiece of, of Thanksgiving. Now, even if you don't like turkey, you have to have a turkey. If you didn't have a turkey this Thanksgiving, all you had was a meal. You didn't have Thanksgiving, all right? A thank Thanksgiving turkey is like this necessary centerpiece, okay? So I decided that I'm going to smoke a turkey, all right? I know, I know. It sounded good in my brain too, man, all right? So I'm gonna smoke this turkey and so I'm, the 24 hours leading up to me smoking this turkey, I want you to know, guys, I'm embarrassed. It took over my life. It took, my, it took over my life. Um, I had to start off by brining the turkey and I want you to know that I didn't, you know, I didn't even know what brining was until two weeks ago, okay? So that tells you a little bit about where I am in life, all right? So I brine this thing and all you gotta do is get your little solution and whatever it's in and you put it in a bucket. So I grabbed my mop bucket. I didn't grab my mop bucket, I'm kidding. I put it in a bucket, covered it up, put it in the refrigerator, and look, all you have to do, this is the easy part. All you have to do is let it sit there. That's the easy part. But me, I can't stop checking on it. As if I'm gonna go to the refrigerator and open it up and open up the bucket, and then like the turkey like just walked away or went and left. Like I just kept checking on it. So I made it through that 24 hours. All right, I made it through that 24 hours and it's the next day, it's Thanksgiving day. The Thanksgiving Macy's parade is on TV because that's just part of like my Thanksgiving, right? And I'm, I'm taking out the turkey and I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. So I get my, my seasoning, I'm, I'm doing my thing. Me and this bird, we're getting well acquainted, all right? We're getting well acquainted. And it comes time for me to put this thing on the smoker and I put it on there. And you would think that that's, that's really it, right? You just let it do its thing. Now, if I was checking this turkey when it was in a bucket of water, you can only imagine the monster I became once this thing got on the smoker. All right, I could not stop like looking at the temperature. I have two like thermometer, like meat probes in this thing and I'm checking the, like I can't stop checking it. All right, so much that I'm just sitting beside the smoker just sitting there, can't move. It's like, man, I just feel like this turkey needs a little moral support and I'm part of it. I'm just gonna be near, I'm gonna be there. Man, my son, he wants to throw football. And I'm like, how can I throw football right now? I'm smoking a turkey. Does anybody not know the pressure, the weight that I'm carrying right now? I am, I'm responsible for the turkey. It took over my life. Andrea, she's ready to throw me on the smoker because I'm acting like a turkey. I mean, it's, it's, it's a situation in our house. I'm not gonna lie, it's a situation. 
And uh, naturally, the, like the turkey, it turned out fine. Turned out fine. Mostly everybody ate it. You know, nobody died yet, you know. So, and it all worked out just fine. But I'm embarrassed to say that my whole Thanksgiving morning, I was consumed, consumed with this turkey. Has that ever happened like to you? Have you ever found yourself, like well-intended, doing a good thing? I mean, you just want a good thing to happen. And a good thing becomes a God thing. A good thing consumes you. And now, and now the good thing has drawn you away from the main thing. And, you know, we're going to be starting our Christmas series next week. And I thought today, this would be a good time for us to just get recalibrated a little bit, get our minds right, get our hearts in the right position as we enter the Christmas season to make sure that we don't let the good things get away from us so much that they become a distraction from the main thing. Now, way before that turkey became a situation in my house, way, be, way before it began to dominate my mind, my thoughts, it had already taken up residence in my heart. The things I wanted for that thing, as, as silly as a turkey is, I wanted something badly. And that good desire went too far and it began to dilute and distract me from the things that I'm really most thankful for. And I don't want that to happen to any of us this Christmas. Because it's happened to all of us at some point in time. We lost our way, we got caught up in the frenzy. We, we feel like there are certain demands made of us and next thing you know, man, Christmas is over and it was a whirlwind. And we missed the main thing. And we're going to look at a, a story this morning in Scripture. If you've been around a little bit, um, it, it, will be, it will be familiar. But I want to encourage you this morning to just to kind of maybe sit back a little bit and look at it anew. Put yourself in the situation and, and put yourself in the story. We're going to be looking at um, Luke Chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. All right, Luke, chapter 10. Before we go there, though, I want you to think about just how tricky our hearts are. How tricky our hearts are. So much that in Proverbs, Solomon tells us, hey, guard your hearts above all else. If, if you're going to do anything if you're going to do anything, make sure you're keeping a good guard on your heart because, hey, your life, everything from your life flows from that. It, it flows from the command center of your life, your heart. Your heart is the core of your life. From that, you do all your thinking. You do all of your feeling. You do all of your choosing. It comes from the command center. So when, 
When the Bible says guard your heart, it's not talking about merely like this is a good verse for when you're dating. Like guarding your heart is a call for warfare. It's war. It's a call for action. Because if something makes it to your heart, it's made it to you. It's made it to you. And if it can grab your heart and arrest your desires, off you go. Off you go. So we have to, we have to stand watch over our hearts. We're, we're on guard. We're in the watchtower. And we are going to dictate, with God's help, what comes in the city and what goes out of the city. We have to stand guard. And the heart, it is a tricky thing. That's why Jeremiah, it reminds us, and don't let this, this, don't let this get by you. What does he say? He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Like the deceptive nature of the sinful heart is that it's so deceitful. It is it is deceitful in such a way that it can distort your heart and your desires to where it even messes up the good things in your life. Now, it stands a reason that, of course, we would guard our hearts from bad things. Of, of course, that makes complete sense. But what about good things? What about those good things? We desire good things, but yet we can be led astray. We can be led away. And the next thing you know, we've missed a good thing that we would even call Christmas. We've missed it. And typically we miss Christmas because we, we don't see Christ properly. We don't see Jesus as that necessary thing of the season. So we're going to look at this story in Luke chapter 10. We're going to start off in verses 38 through 42. And this is the big takeaway that I want you to have this morning, the big takeaway. That focusing on Jesus, all right, that is what enables us to prioritize optimal things over optional things. Let me say that one more time. Like focusing on Christ, focusing on Jesus that is what enables us to prioritize optimal things, the best things, preeminent things over optional things, secondary things. All right, so we're going to look at this little episode in Scripture um, dealing with, with uh, Martha and Mary. And it, and it reads like this. If you, don't, <clears throat> if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on your screens here. But it starts off, it says, Now as they were on their way... Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled with many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, portion which will not be taken away from her. It's a little occurrence in Scripture here, but so much, so much to inform 
how we need to um, approach the season ahead of us, and not only the season ahead of us, but our lives in general. See, Martha, she initiates the invitation to Jesus. He's in the village, and, and this would have been part of, of custom and hospitality was a big thing. So this is a part of culture. She's doing a very good thing. She's doing a good thing. But she's also doing something that is an indicator. Remember, this is the time of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's, he's sent out the 72. The 72 have come back, and they're going from village to village, town to town. And, and people receiving Jesus into their homes is actually an indicator of their receptivity to his, the message. So Martha saying, come to our home, she is saying, hey, I am. Our household is receptive to the things that you're saying, Jesus. And I want you to look at this in the beginning of chapter 10 that's setting the context here. This is what it's, it talks about. It says, after the, this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them to go ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating, drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. That's what's going on. So Jesus enters his house and you know Jesus, if Jesus is around, if he's in the mix, he's gonna be teaching. He's gonna be instructing. And the focus of instruction is always going to be who he is, his identity. There's nothing more important for you to know than who Jesus is. Mary gets this. Mary gets this. Look at what the scripture says in verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Look, the son of God, God in flesh, God incarnate is in their home. He's in their home. And Mary says, I've got to, I'm, listen, if he's going to be this close, the only thing I need to do is get closer. And you don't get any closer to Jesus than sitting at his feet. And she's locked in, listening to the, the teaching of Jesus, laying locked into what he has to say. She, she is giving Jesus literally her undivided attention. Jesus, I'm going to hang on to every word you have to say. You have a contrast here, Martha. What's Martha doing? All right, so, hey, Martha's going to get herself into a little trouble here, but I want you to, I, I, want, to leave, I want to throw her a bone here and let you understand something. Like, Martha is well-intended. She's not out of bounds with, with being hospitable. She's not out of bounds by what she's, with her preparation. She's not out of bounds. She's doing a very good thing. She is pursuing right things. It is right for her to 
show hospitality to the guest of her home, especially her guest being Jesus, the Son of God. So she's after the right things. Here lies the problem, and Luke lets us see what the problem is. What's the problem? But Martha was distracted. You see that? Even by a good thing, she has lost her way. And what is she distracted by? Well, she's distracted not by doing her nails or doing her hair, and she's, she's not on social media updating her story, saying, you'll never guess who's in my living room. Like, that's not what's going on. What is she doing? She's serving. <laughs> she's serving. And what it says that she was distracted by much serving. Much serving. You ever see somebody kind of well-intended doing something and you look at them and you just think, you know what, well, that's a bit much. It's okay. This is a bit much. Well, Martha, she's found herself doing just a bit much to where it's distracted her. Look, the, the meaning of the word distracted here, it means literally to pull away, to drag someone away from something. I want you to think about celebrities, like where a celebrity sighting is happening and then there's a mob of people and what do you have? You have bodyguards and people like grabbing folks and just like, no, you're not. I, I've got to, like, you're, you're trying to get too close. I have to drag you away. Jesus is in the living room. He's in the house. He's not in anyone's house, but their house. And, and Martha, she's... She literally has dragged her own self away from being, having close encounters with who Jesus is. She's her worst enemy at this time. She's her worst enemy. Jesus is right there, and here's the irony of the story. The one who invited Jesus into the house, the one who, who issued the invitation and said, come on in, is the one who, he is so close, but yet because of what's going on inside of her internally, she is so far away, so far away. And that can happen to us during this, this Christmas season. The Christmas music will be on. Man, the decorations just remind us that we are in a different season. You know, we'll, We'll give emphasis to this all throughout December, Sunday, as we start our series next Sunday. We're going to be giving emphasis of this. Maybe there, you have traditions in your home where you're, you're, you're covering some Advent things and you're, you're doing the anticipation. Like, it's, it's all around us. It's all around us, but yet we can still miss it. So close, but yet so far. And that's where Martha finds herself, so close. But she's managed to allow herself to be dragged away further. You know, here in a few weeks, we're gonna have a Christmas party, or a real hope Christmas party, and it will be a party, and it will be a blast. And you all have been a part of that, buying gifts, buying bikes, giving, and like, listen, we're going to throw a party. We're going to have 
you know, all these families come in, these new friends that we're trying to make. But listen, I want you to understand something. The point is not the party. The end is not the party. We're going to be there. We're going to be serving families. We're going to be getting to know families. But listen, all of that is merely a means. Service is not the end. It's a means. It's a vehicle, one, first of worship, first of stewardship, first out of gratitude of what Christ has done for us and now what we get to do for you, what we get to do for others. It's an overflow of that. And the hope is this, is not that you just get introduced to a bike. It's not that you get introduced only to Bell Shoals, but that somehow, somehow you, you, your focus will be drawn to Christ and why we do all of this. We want people to see Jesus. We want to focus on him. We want him highlighted this season. And it doesn't happen by accident. It happens with great intention, intentionality. So it's a bridge. Service is a bridge. And for Martha, it's not a bridge. It's a barrier. It's a barrier for Martha. And you can see that it's a barrier by what's going to start spilling out of her. You ever notice that when you, when you get caught up in crazy, you start talking crazy? Well, Martha's about to talk crazy because she's caught up in some crazy. She's lost her focus. And because she's lost her focus of who's in her living room, because she's lost her focus of who Jesus is, she has the, her ability to prioritize optimal things over optional things is clouded. It's clouded. Her heart's been led astray. But look even further how she approaches Jesus. Look at this. In verse 40, the second part there, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Check this out. All right? Because this is crazy. This is crazy. Jesus in their home. What's Jesus talking about? Well, he's teaching. You can only imagine that it has probably something to do with him. And that God is near. The kingdom of God is near. It's so close to you that you're looking into his eyeballs. And Mary, <coughs> Mary's right there at his feet. Martha approaches Jesus in the middle of his lesson, in the middle of his teaching. And I love how it starts. What does it say? Lord, tell her. It's like a child when they come up to you, like, Mom, Dad, tell him. Tell her. It's like, I don't, I don't want to call the shots. I just need you to be the vehicle of it. Because you're the one that actually has authority, but I'm going to try to steer that authority to bend and to get what I really want out of this situation. And what I want, Jesus, as you're teaching here, hey, will you tell my lazy sister to get up and help me? That is the most important thing on Martha's brain. That's why she's distracted. Martha is caught up in Martha's world. She's caught up. 
She's the center of her service, and her words reveal that. You know that, right? You, your words reveal your heart. And look what she says. Look at what happens here. And this is, this, this is the indicator that, that it's, it's gone too far for, for Martha. Where's her focus? My sister has left me to serve alone. My sister left me alone. Let's shave it down a little bit more. My, me, alone. My, me, alone. That's what everything's revolving around. That's Martha's turkey. That's what everything's going to revolve around Martha right now. Because she feels wronged. She feels like she's been treated in an unfair way. And now she's so wrapped up in her service is that it's become selfish. It's almost like when you're doing something and you want to be like, hello, does anyone see the trash here? Hello? Everyone's having fun. What about the trash? My, uh, can I get some help clearing the table? All the laughing and fun. We got work to do. And we get cared like, like these things become ultimate things for us. They get us off track. But look what's happening here. Let's just, let's just sit back and everyone, like, listen, this is every single one of us where our desires have gone wayward. This is every one of us. Just sit back and let me tell you how this works out. Because this is what's happening in Martha's life. See, she's, she's gotten to a point to where what's going on inside of her is spilling out of her. It's spilling out of her. Her service has become selfish. It leads to now a demanding spirit, a demanding spirit in her. Not that it always ends up that way, but it does, it does in some sense. But I want you to look at how Jesus responds to Martha after the indictment of whether or not he cares or not. Now, if it's me, all right, I'm thinking, do, do I care? Um, I have skin on right now. I am deity. I'm the son of God and I have skin? I'm walking around this earth offering hope? Got veins running through my body just to one day spill blood for the forgiveness of sin? And I'm sorry, you're having a rough time with your hospitality and you're, you're questioning my care? That's how I would have handled it. See, that's why I'm not the son of God and that's why I'm not the savior. Jesus is much more compassionate. He's much more compassionate. So he was teaching Mary and now he's gonna teach Martha. He's gonna teach her in such a tender way. He's gonna correct her in such a tender way and he's gonna get to the heart of the issues. That's what he says. He says, the Lord answer her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. He names it. You. This is a you issue, Martha. You are nervous. You are anxious about, about many things. 
But look, only one thing is necessary. What a, what a short lesson. What an important lesson. What a life-changing lesson. Many things that we could be doing. But to be in a place where you know, but only one is necessary. To be able to navigate with wisdom, not only during this season, but in our lives, to know what's necessary and what's not necessary. To know what's optimal, what's best, and what's optional. To be able, like, that is, that is your ability to live a wise life, a God-honoring life. And to stay away from foolishness and to live in wisdom. So he tells her, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Martha, you've made choices. Mary has made choices. Mary's made a choice as well. But Martha, she's troubled with many things. When one thing is necessary, she loses her focus. And let me tell you why she loses her focus, right? She loses her focus is because she, her service, it began to become about her what she was doing for Jesus, not that Jesus is the point. What I'm doing for Jesus is the point, and I'm alone. Martha's not, she's not enjoying serving, and she's not enjoying sitting. She just ain't enjoying nothing. She's not enjoying anything. And what happens is that, what does it produce inside of her? Anxiousness, worry. What spills out of her? Demand. I want to pull the world, the, the, the situation center to me, to where I'm the focus instead of Jesus being the focus and me altering and navigating and putting my life in that orbit. Put my life in that orbit. So he's like, Martha, only one thing is necessary. Look, guys, priorities, they are a choice. Their choice. And I know sometimes we feel, myself included, we feel like, man, I need to do, I tell, let me tell you what I need to do. Let me tell you what needs to get done this Christmas. What I'm telling you is that one thing is necessary this Christmas. It's the full onslaught, adoration of the fact that a Savior is born. And to celebrate that, to point people to that, that is the only thing necessary for the Christmas season. All the other things, as much as we want to do them, as much as I would say, maybe you should, is optional, but they're optional. Don't get caught up in the optional things making that the thing, and then we miss out on the main thing is that we have a time, a season in our culture that our culture will play ball with that we get to just say, hey, look at Jesus, everybody. Look at what he has done. Look at who he is. Behold him. What a sweet season that is. And the world's going to play ball with that. And we have to make sure as a church family, as a faith family, as a people of God, that we don't get caught up with everyone else distracted from the main thing and we've missed the opportunity to point people to 
our Savior. Priorities, they're a choice. They're a choice. And Mary, she chose the good portion. She chose the good thing. And listen, the purpose, again, we want to celebrate Christ. We don't want to waste this season. We don't want to waste it. All right, so I just want to throw like just three practical things out there for you. Just three practical things for you to lean in from here until Christmas, until kingdom come. Three things just to, to, to consider this Christmas to, to help you keep your focus on Jesus so that you can prioritize the optimal things over the optional things. One, maintain your devotional life. And if you have not began a devotional life, this would be a phenomenal time to begin one. Reading the story of Jesus, his birth, focusing on who he is, who he is, why he has come. It's going to get fast, guys. It's going to get, a lot of us are going to be doing traveling and it's, there's a lot going on. We're celebrating stuff. There's parties to go to. And I'm saying party, celebrate. There's nothing better to celebrate than the birth of Christ, a Savior being born. Nothing better. But don't let that drag you away. Don't let that pull you away from you taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus in his word and to teach, for him to teach you and for you to learn. Don't, don't miss your devotional time, all right? The second thing is, hey, let's, let's, let's take a look at our traditions and make sure that all these good traditions we have, and I hope you have some, man, that, that's the fun of it, but just remember that our traditions are not the point. That our traditions are a vehicle. Our traditions, they're a means. They're a means for us to, to, to turn our hearts in our, and put our gaze on Christ. If I could give a word for maybe to parents and maybe some grandparents out there, that the great thing about tradition is that maybe your kids are wanting to start some new traditions. They're wanting to start some new traditions, and it's not because your traditions are bad ones, it's that they have a family of their own and they wanna start some new traditions. And I wouldn't, can I encourage you don't make that a fight? They may come over a little bit later on Christmas Day. They may not come on Christmas Day, they may come before or the day after because they're focusing on their family and I wouldn't make that the thing. What I would make the thing is this, you you just better be turning my grandbaby's hearts to Jesus this Christmas. If you're doing that, I'm for you. I'm for you. But let's keep our traditions even in proper perspective. And lastly, be present, unplug. And some of us, we don't know what that feels like. We really don't, but really, Put down the phone. Maybe, hey, get your, get your pictures, record some things, but don't, don't get caught up so much that you're recording everything, you're posting everything, and you're not enjoying the moment. 
You're not enjoying the thing. And then you have all of those videos that you took that you never look at again. Unplug. Don't watch somebody else's Christmas. Enjoy yours. Enjoy yours. And I know that that temptation is going to be so hard to do. It's going to be so hard to do. But I want to encourage you to enjoy Christ, what he has given you. Drink of it. Enjoy the moments. Hey, and take the good portion. Take the good portion. And what is the good portion? The better question would be, who is the good portion? Who is the good portion? Mary chose the good portion. She chose Christ. God is the good portion. Enjoy him this Christmas. Focus on him this Christmas. He is the only necessary thing. He's the only thing that's necessary. The psalmist, he would say it like this. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is, there is nothing, there's nothing on earth that I desire, that I desire beside you. My, my flesh, my heart, my distracted heart, it may fail me. But God, you, you are the strength of my heart. You're the strength of my distracted heart. You're the strength of my wayward heart. You're the strength of my lonely heart. You're the, God, you're, you're the life of me. You're the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I'm telling you right now, choose the good portion and it will never be taken away from you. Turn to Christ, look to Christ. That baby that was born grew up to be a man who would, who would die for your sins. And he would die on the, on the cross for our sins, but he would raise again victoriously. He is the good portion. And if you would turn away from your sin, you would trust in that Savior. He will be yours, and you will be his, and it will never be taken away from you. You will have the good portion. So this Christmas, this Christmas season, in every season of your life, focus on Christ. Focus on Jesus so that we can truly, with our lives, prioritize optimal things over optional things. And may God be the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. Pray with me. Father.